your parents know that you listen to the evil rock music. You're an American teenager, for God's sake. Welcome to Gilmore Girls Soundtrack. I'm Melissa Olson. Episode 114, The Weird One. Today, we'll discuss the soundtrack of Season 1, Episode 14, That Damn Donna Reed. We'll welcome guest Charlie Malone, who will discuss singer-songwriters and street performers. Then we'll finish up with the weekly segment, Spinning in Stars Hollow, where I offer recommendations based on what we heard in this week's episode. So grab a Danish, it's time for Gilmore Girls Soundtrack. There are quite a few music references and uses in this episode, as well as the first appearance of the town troubadour, Grant Lee Phillips. So let's get started. During the opening scene, Lorelai can be seen wearing a heavy metal rules t-shirt as she, Dean, and Rory exchange one of the most iconic lines from the first season of Gilmore Girls. So it's a show? It's a lifestyle. It's a religion. This line is often used by superfans of the Gilmore world, such as myself, when someone asks about the show. We really are pretty amazing fandom, even when people get into debates about who Rory should end up with or whether Kirk is an amazing character. By the way, he is. We always agree on at least one thing. Gilmore Girls is one of the best shows ever created, if not the greatest show ever made. And to me, a big part of the show is the score and the amazing use of music. I've been over this before, but it really wouldn't be the same without the music. Even the goofy and oftentimes completely ridiculous incorporation into the dialogue. You have strange passions. She likes washing dishes too. She's multifaceted abnormal. Ah, come on, we'll drink a couple beers, we'll sing painting songs. Painting songs? Yeah, painting songs like, um, you know, the song that goes, um, grab your brush and grab your rollers, all you kids and all you bowlers, we're going painting today. Say yes or there's another verse. I love it when the actors sing. Even when they sing in a goofy voice, you can tell most of them are so talented, especially Lorelai. Did you know that Lauren Graham played Miss Adelaide in a stage production of the musical Guys and Dolls in April 2009? It was a Broadway revival. And she was blonde for the role. Of course you did. You read my show notes religiously. Okay, maybe you don't. But if you want to know more about this, check out the show notes from this episode, as well as the earlier show notes from episode 108, Everything is Magical, where I have some promotion photos and a video of Lauren in her role from Guys and Dolls. If you listen to the last episode, you will recall the inclusion of an imaginary venue in New York City. This episode makes reference to a real jazz club in Greenwich Village. How oh, hiya, baby doll. Hi, Do you want some coffee? Oh, no, thanks. I just came over to ask a great big favor. Ask away. Well, see, Maury just got a call to play a gig at the Village Vanguard tonight, so we got to go to New York. Oh, wow. Cream? And sugar, thanks. Anyway, yesterday, Maury and I finally broke down, and we got ourselves a new baby, you know? Oh, honey, you got a kitten. Good for you. What's its name? Apricot. The Village Vanguard was originally at another location, started by proprietor Max Gordon in 1934. Then it moved to its current location where he purchased a speakeasy called the Golden Triangle at 178 7th Avenue. He renamed it the Village Vanguard when he took over the business and the name has never changed. Gordon intended the nightclub to function as a space for poets and artists as well as musical performance. In the early years, it featured a more broad range of performances, including stand-up comedy and bohemian poetry readings, as well as performance 
performances of folk music and Caribbean calypso. The Village Vanguard has since become a highly respected jazz club. As jazz grew in the 1940s, Max Gordon would often book up to three acts per night, and many of those acts are now considered some of the greatest jazz musicians who have ever lived. Some of the acts that you may be familiar with that have been there over the years include Miles Davis, Mary Lou Williams, Maxine Sullivan, Dexter Gordon, Benny Bailey, and Thelonious Monk. You may remember just how much Thelonious Monk means to Maury and Babette from episode three. I have to guess Maury is a pretty amazing musician to be invited to play a gig in such a prestigious and historically significant venue. Speaking of things that are historically significant, we even have a music reference when Lorelai realizes something about Rory cat sitting. You know, this is only like the second night we've ever spent apart. Does that make you sad? Yeah, but I'll get over it. Uh-huh. Well, Paul and Linda McCartney only spent 11 nights apart their entire relationship. Did you know that? I did not know that. Well, they were truly devoted to each other. Just the being apart was too painful to even talk about. Comparing her relationship to the founding members of Wings. Wow, that is quite a reference, Lorelai. This episode includes the first appearance of the town troubadour, Grant Lee Phillips, who appears as Rory gets off the bus to find Dean waiting for her. The troubadour sings Sunday Best while leaning against a lamppost. Carry your bird, miss. Hi, I didn't expect to see you here. Just wanted to say hello. 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 Grant Lee Phillips is an American singer-songwriter, noted for his founding of the band Grant Lee Buffalo. He began playing the guitar in his early teens in Stockton, California, before moving to Los Angeles at age 19 to begin working for contractors to pay his way through evening classes at UCLA. He would eventually drop out and form a band with an old friend from Stockton. Next up, we get a peek into Lane's secret rock and roll obsession. Hey, how's it going? Very well. I have discovered that in addition to my lameness in geometry, I also will not become a biologist, French translator, or Civil War buff. Well, I guess that just leaves bass player for the Foo Fighters. I also wouldn't rule out keyboardist in the Susie and the Banshees reunion tour. I like that you keep an open mind. So, what's up? I need to borrow a CD. Which one? The weird one. I need more information. I don't know which one it is, but I'd know it if I saw it. Okay, well, let's have a look. So, okay. We have classic rock, progressive rock, pretty boy rock, excuse me. Bon Jovi, Duran Duran, The Wallflowers, Bush. You got it. Next. Uh, punk, new wave, German metal bands, Broadway soundtracks. Interesting filing system. Anything yet? Nope. Sorry. Okay, well, over there we have jazz, jazz vocals, classical, country, rockabilly, Sinatra, the capital years. Oh, wait! The miscellaneous section. Hey, that sounds right. <laughs> William Shatner. Is this the one where he sings Tambourine Man? And Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. <laughs> Remind me to get this for my mom for her birthday. Oh, wait. Hey, that's it. Can I? Take it. Thanks. This scene is so packed with references, but most importantly, we learn about Lane's under the floorboards music storage system. Lane's mom clearly wouldn't approve of her affinity for music, so she's come up with a very clever way to hide all of her CDs out of sight, under the loose floorboards in her room. 
It also has a pretty unique to lane filing system. If you're wondering what CD the weird one is that Rory is searching for and finds in this scene, wonder no more. Rory picked up this CD to use as background music for Donna Reed Night. The album is called Music from a Sparkling Planet by the king of space age pop, Esquivel. Let's take a listen to Flower Girl from Bordeaux. This song is streaming out the door of Maury and Babette's house when Dean arrives to find Rory dressed like Donna Reed. Rory may have borrowed the CD from under the floorboards in Lane's room, but she should have checked Maury's collection first. He does have an affinity for jazz and would probably have at least a moderate interest in Esquivel. Juan Garcia Esquivel was a Mexican band leader, pianist, and composer for television and films. He is known for his sophisticated style of largely instrumental music that incorporated elements of lounge music and jazz with Latin flair. In retrospect, the music he was making in the 50s and 60s has become known as Space Age Bachelor Pad music. And yes, in case you are wondering, my guest from episode 107, John Esquivel, is in fact related to Esquivel. Why do you think I had him on the show? Just kidding. John is great. It's just a happy coincidence that he happens to be related to a musician that had music on Gilmore Girls. Another song we hear during the dinner scene on Donna Reed Night is Johnny Angel by Shelley Fabre. Johnny Angel was originally recorded by both Lori Lohman and Georgia Lee. However, these two versions were not successful. It first became a popular hit single in 1962 when covered by Shelley Fabre, who took it to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. This is a particularly clever use of music on the show because Shelley Fabre is known for her role as Donna Reed's daughter, Mary Stone, on The Donna Reed Show. Shelley Fabre was an actress on the very show Rory is referencing by dressing up, wearing pearls, and making Dean dinner. Though he clarifies that he didn't expect her to be like Donna Reed. That's not what he meant. I know, and I appreciate that. But aside from this actually being fun, I did a little research on Donna Reed. You did research on Donna Reed? Look! See, she did do the whole, like milk and cookies, wholesome, big skirt thing. But aside from that, she was an uncredited producer and director on her television show, which made her one of the first women television executives, which is actually pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. And I like to think that Amy Sherman Palladino made this reference as food for thought for her audience. Has Hollywood really made significant strides since the time of Donna Reed? Unfortunately, we haven't, at least not in the broadest sense. Television is much more inclusive of women due to its collaborative nature, but the film industry numbers are still quite dismal when it comes to executive roles of women. I like to think the inclusion of this fact about the uncredited work of Donna Reed was meant to, however subtly, remind us of this disparity and encourage us to consciously choose to support the work of females in the industry who are making amazing work. Last up, we hear Beautiful Dreamers from Grant Lee Phillips singing as he crosses the street while Luke and Lorelai unload paint cans to the diner. Yeah. <laughs> 
After his first widely successful band couldn't shake free from cult status, Grant Lee Phillips disbanded Grant Lee Buffalo in 1999 to pursue a solo career. His second solo album, Mobilize, was released more than two months after the season one finale of Gilmore Girls in July 2001. This song, Beautiful Dreamers, is track 10 on the album. I know I can't have been the only person watching the show who discovered his solo work after hearing him sing on the street corner of Stars Hollow. My guest this week is Charlie Malone. He's a writer, lover of music, and an avid traveler. While he's new to Gilmore Girls, the inclusion of a street musician really helped draw him into the world of Stars Hollow. Seeing the troubadour in the background. Initially, because he's he's cast in the background, you can tell it's lonely. You can tell it's, he's working. You can tell that if he's going to grow as a character or grow in terms of his significance to the, to the series, that that he has to get better, that that he has to work harder to get people's attention. And that's, I think, a perfect metaphor for the kinds of musicians in the tradition that he's participating in. That actually goes all the way back to like medieval poets. And uh, it's a wonderful, long, old, spectacular tradition of singing lyric songs that get in touch with our emotion. Seeing the musician, he appeared just, it was subtle, it was delicate, it was, at odds with the drama of the, that was going on in the episode, so it really had that feeling of an Easter egg. Thinking about him as a troubadour in that class of musician and that sort of traveling, wandering um, songwriter, you know, the first person that came to mind is, is Glenn Hansard and his work with The Frames and uh, with the film Once. And one of the things he said, I don't know if it was in a live performance I saw or an interview, but he talked about uh, busking or street performing, that tradition of a troubadour being where you can really sort of, I don't know if I love the phrase, cut your teeth as a musician, but if you're standing in a busy street and you can get someone's attention with just the quality of your music, that that's something really special. And so, you know, people like Joshua Bell, the violinist, and other people still practice that so that they maintain a certain quality to their music that you can lose if you're just performing in a studio or just performing in places where people are already paying to give you their attention. I think the first step when you're trying to to break into this kind of genre of music or do this kind of songwriting is just to put yourself out there. You're so exposed and you know maybe it's like stand-up comedy or something like you know it's not going to go well. You know that you're going to go out there again and again and bomb and nobody's going to listen and nobody's going to watch you and you're not going to get anyone's attention but you keep working. And I think that dedication, that focus, that drive to try to reach people in that natural, organic, open public space takes a certain kind of creativity and a certain kind of artist. It's time for Spinning in Stars Hollow, where I give recommendations for songs you might enjoy based on music we've heard in this episode of Gilmore Girls. You can always find these songs on the Spinning in Stars Hollow playlist in the show notes for each episode at GilmoreGirlsSoundtrack.com. This week, we focus on selections for fans of the town troubadour, Grant Lee Phillips. First up is a song from Grant Lee Phillips' latest album, The Narrows, Cry Cry. I'm 
lucky enough to know from personal experience, Grant Lee Phillips is an amazing performer, and he's also a really nice guy. I feel like of all the characters on Gilmore Girls, his small role seems to be the most true to his actual path in life. And that small role he plays in Stars Hollow is so integral to the charming feel of the town. Next up, we have Constant Muse from Denison Whitmer. Is my mind at ease or am I jaded? Has the brightest color in me faded? Denison Whitmer's lyrics are poetic and thoughtful, and his guitar work, while sounding simple, relies heavily on complex finger-picking. Whitmer's style has been compared to 1970s-era singer-songwriters, including Cat Stevens and Nick Drake. Since Whitmer grew up in Pennsylvania, it wouldn't seem completely ridiculous for him to end up as a town troubadour somewhere in New England, maybe even a town near Stars Hollow. I was just 19 when all this started I was sunburned skin and open hearted I was hometown proud, tucked in and hearted In a song Last up is a recommendation from my guest today, Charlie. This is Fitzcarraldo from singer-songwriter Glenn Hansard with his band, The Frames. Thinking about the song Fitzcarraldo by The Frames, what I really love about it is actually something that I think is happening with your podcast. And that's when the first time I heard Glenn Hansard talk about the song, he talked about its influence and where it came from. And it came from a Werner Herzog film of the same title, Fitzcarraldo, which came from the story of a Scottish rubber baron in the Amazon dragging a boat over a mountain to get to an uncultivated rubber patch that had never been exploited before to make money 
in order to build an opera house in Iquitos, Peru in the jungle, which is wild and crazy, an incredible metaphor for the power of art and the value of art and culture. At the same time, <laughs> in order to tell that story, Herzog had to drag an actual ship over a mountain in the Amazon and did so. And it's wild and it's crazy. And again, that metaphor recreates itself. And so the way in which you know, you're inspired by the music and you connect to the music in these episodes and connect to the stories is I think the way like art leads to art leads to art. The emotion of that metaphor that inspired a song, that it's real fugue-like nature and the way the repetition of it and the building of it and just the raw emotion that Glenn Hansard is able to get to in that song, I think illustrates the lyric qualities of troubadour music but also, I think, a more contemporary element of this sort of cycle of inspiration. Olson, thank you for joining me this week for Gilmore Girls Soundtrack. To read the show notes, find the playlists for the complete Gilmore Girls Soundtrack and Spinning in Stars Hollow, and to enter the ongoing giveaway until September 1st, visit GilmoreGirlsSoundtrack.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Until next week, stay caffeinated, my friends. So when you watch the movie, though, it's going to be weird, and you're like, I don't know if it's that good, but then you have to watch Burden of Dreams which is the documentary about the making of that movie, that's better than the actual movie.